Seems like this is getting weirder every time I do it. My dad, when he retired, he wanted nothing to do with speaking anymore. I'm starting to understand where he was coming from. But if you quit, then you're, you lose it completely. So the sermon today is a little bit weird. And we'll see how it turns out. But when I do a sermon, I sit down with the word and the spirit's already speaking to me. But I just invite him to come and lay it out. And this one took a twist on me I did not expect. But I'm believing God is in it. We're going to start in Haggai this morning. What I was going to talk about is seasons and times in our lives. And understanding them and discerning them. And today it still goes along that theme. You know, if we look at the clock, we know what time it is. And I'm not talking about that kind of time. I'm talking about the seasons of life we're in. I'm in a crazy season of life for me right now. As far as it's a different season than I've ever been in because God keeps telling me to rest. And I'm not used to resting. I'm used to doing stuff. And so... There's some identity issues that we continue to work through, but it's also hands off of some stuff and just trusting in God and learning what he's got for me in the next season I walk into. And we all walk through seasons, right? I'm ready to hit 70 in November. This getting old thing is not so cool. I got to learn to adjust in my thinking because I still want to be 30 and go out and do everything I've ever done. And my body tells me no. And I guess the point of where we're headed this morning is you can know the season you're in. We can know the season that the churches are in, the Church of Jesus Christ worldwide, the Church of Coast Springs. We can know the season our country is in. If you watch the news, you get a really good idea what season our country is in. And it ought to drive you to pray for God's will to be done in this country. There's a season of harvest coming to the world. And God wants to fund a lot of that harvest for the United States. And there are people who are fighting that and who don't want prosperity. Because hell doesn't want a harvest. And it takes money, right? To build barns and to hire laborers takes bucks so all of that stuff is playing in the world plus some other stuff we're going to take a look at Haggai this morning or Haggai however you want to pronounce it I'll probably end up doing it both ways the history related to this book is 20 years before Haggai came on the scene the children of Israel had returned from captivity and they started to rebuild the temple and they got the foundation laid in the ground and opposition came and so they gave up on rebuilding the temple so two decades later 20 years later Haggai comes into the scene and God is speaking to Haggai about calling the community back to establishing the dwelling place of God in their community You can take the book of Haggai, and you can easily relate it to 2022 for us. We face the same issues as the Church of Jesus Christ, as the Israelites did 2,000 years ago. Because mankind hasn't changed, right? We're still 
motivated and pushed in directions by our affections. So 20 years ago, they put the foundations in, things collapsed on them, disappointment hit them. Right? They were expecting to build the dwelling place of God. We pick it up 20 years later. There's some several lessons in this, what disappointment does to us with dreams that we have in our hearts and what happens and the way we let those things go. And then God calls us back to that. But those 20 years of letting things go, God's developing character in us. The church is way too centered on giftings and not nearly enough on character, because your character will support your gifting, but if you don't have any support in your gifting, you're going to collapse and fall apart. That's why foundations are so important in our lives. So we'll get into this a little bit, and then we're going to kind of shift over into some help in discerning our seasons by just dealing with truth in our lives. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house, the Lord's house. The people say it's not time to rebuild. The people got it wrong. Because heaven was saying something different. But they weren't listening to heaven. They were listening to their affections. They were listening to disappointment saying, you tried that once, it didn't work, leave it go. And so God's bringing a prophet to speak through to them. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. It is time, is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a room? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. The people said it's not time to build the Lord's house or the dwelling place of God in the community of the people. God asked them a question. God likes to do that. You know that? The Holy Spirit will ask you some hard-hitting questions at times. Is it time for you... To be living in your paneled houses, those paneled houses were very comfortable, luxurious houses at that time, right? They built them out of stone or out of sod, and they had a lot of wood around them, so they were cutting the wood and lining their walls with wood, which was luxurious for that time. They had comfortable houses. This is not a sermon about remodeling your house. Don't worry. I spent two years in my house, the last two years working remodeling the house. But you live in your paneled houses while God's house remains a room. We chase pleasure and comfort and convenience while the church in North America is losing its influence because of corruption in it, because Jesus is one of our loves, But Jesus is an addition to my pursuit of comfort and pleasure. And then the church loses its influence because we lose the power and the presence. 
There is nothing wrong with comfort. I like comfort very much. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. I like pleasure. There's nothing wrong with convenience. When stuff comes at me and it's not convenient, I don't like it. And we're all that way. We're not talking about comfort, pleasure, convenience being a sin by itself. It's when it starts to become our love instead of Jesus. When it becomes our idol. When that's what we're chasing after. And we will, we will put aside things of God. Be distracted from, get too busy for them. Sometimes through deception, we don't even know we're doing it because we've lost our first love. And we're not hot for Jesus anymore. And one of my prayers has been that God would fill us with the baptism of fire and the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus talked about. And yes, I know there's an initial baptism in the Holy Spirit, but Ephesians says to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. When you read through the New Testament church two or three times, the Holy Spirit came and filled them. It's a continual walk we have with the Holy Spirit. So the question for us this morning is, in North America, where we have so much prosperity and so much pleasure available to us and so much comfort available to us, and not just physical comfort, but emotional comfort that we run to sometimes, that replaces what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives with comfort. In verse 5, God says, give careful thought to your ways. He says this four times, five times in Haggai, to stop. Give careful thought. There are times in life where we need to look at our lives. Invite the Holy Spirit and just say, okay, what's going on with me? Where am I getting a little excessive in watching too many ball games or, or whatever it is? Whatever comfort, whatever pleasure you like. And I'm not spending enough time in the Word, which we're going to talk about next. I'm not spending enough time in just fellowship with God. Yeah, that's right. The Almighty God loves to come down and fellowship with Brent. And we talk with each other. Sometimes I just sit on the edge of the bed and we have this conversation. And it's the Holy Spirit working in me. Why? Because He loves me. I was chosen before the foundation of the world to be His Son. I didn't deserve it. In fact, I'm the opposite of deserving it. He should have vaporized me when I was born and said, you're not worth investing in. But he says, no, you're my son. Well pleased. Love you. I didn't have to earn it. All I had to do is receive it, trust in him. How are you going to know your season if you don't know the voice of God? And we're not going to talk much about the voice of God and how to do that today. When my wife calls me on the phone, even though it says Diana Bontrager on it, I will instantly recognize her voice. How do we do that? Relationship. Right? We live each other all the time. I hear her good, sweet voice. I hear her Voice that Brent, you're not pleasing me right now. You better change. Okay, I know the tones of her voice. Why? Because of intimacy. Because we live with each other. We've done it for 46 years. 
When my kids call, I know their voice. So on and so forth. We have to know the voice of God. And this morning, we're going to talk about the Word and the Spirit. Mostly the Word, but we have this thing today where we have churches of the Word. And, oh, we preach Bible in our church. That's all we preach is Bible. We don't need the Holy Spirit. That ended when the apostles died. We're just going to stick in the Bible and read it, and it'll give us all the understanding we need. Well... The Bible doesn't give you a lot of understanding about your individual life and personal choices you have to make about whether to buy that car or not, right? It gives us some guidelines. Let peace be your umpire in making decisions. But it doesn't tell you whether to buy the car or not. That's something you've got to work through with God. The woman you marry, the guy you marry, what kind of extracurricular activities you're going to get involved in in the world. All of that stuff the Holy Spirit is in, he wants to speak to us. I just love this passage in John 10, 3 to 5, and verse 27. Because there is also the thing of the Spirit. Now, the word churches who focus on the word say, we don't need the Spirit because we have it all. There are churches that focus on the Spirit. And they're saying, we don't need the word Because we hear the Spirit so well that we just move with Him. Well, here's the thing. The Spirit wrote the Word, right? If you're going to be of the Spirit, you're going to be in the Word. Because the Holy Spirit moved upon men and they put down the words that the Holy Spirit gave them. And I don't mean specific words, but at least in general terms of what the Holy Spirit was saying to them and their personalities come out in it. If you're going to be in the Word, how can you read the Word and not understand you need the Holy Spirit living and being active in your life? You need the gifts of the Spirit. They didn't end with the apostles. They're present now. And you need to learn your passions and your giftings and your assignment and what God's called you to do and live it out. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The him is the shepherd. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to all the shepherd's voices in the sheepfold? No. There's a lot of different herds of sheep in the sheepfold, the place where they bring them in at night for protection. And when a shepherd goes and calls his sheep, they recognize his voice and they go to that shepherd because they know his voice. And he leads them out. He calls them by name, the personal interaction between a shepherd and the sheep, the personal reaction between God and me. Jesus gets to know me. I get to know God. I hear his voice. He's my shepherd. He's the one I follow. There are other voices going in there calling sheep, but I don't pay attention to those other voices because I don't know them. They don't carry any consequence in my life because that's not the voice I follow. Amen? We have to be tuned in on the voice we know, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of Jesus. 
That's the one I follow. Notice he leads them out. He's not behind his sheep, herding them, forcing them to follow him. He's leading in front by just speaking to them. And they follow him. Too many times in our Christian walk, leadership tries to herd people where they think they ought to go. And they cause a lot of stress in their life and other people's lives because if they're not willing to listen to your voice and follow you, they shouldn't be following you as a leader. And the church in North America is filled with manipulation and control. And when you run into that in the church, get out of there because that's not heaven working. When he has brought out all of his own, notice he's not getting other people's stuff. He just wants his sheep. He goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. They have learned over time to trust the voice that calls them. When they hear that voice, they know there's green pastures and still waters. And they'll even be the valley of the shadow of death. But when you walk through it with your shepherd, you're well protected. He will lead you to a table that's spread before your enemies, and you're going to sit there and you're going to eat with your shepherd while the enemies are trying to distract you, get you all busy, too busy to eat with your shepherd. Right? Psalm 23. I like the table. I don't like the valley of the shadow of death. I walk through some of those. It's not physical death, although that can be one of them, but it's God letting things in me, helping things in me die. Character issues that are in the way of him flowing out of me. He brought out all of his own sheep. He's ahead of them, and they follow him. We follow Jesus because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. Why? They, in fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize his voice. Let me ask you, how high of value do you have in your life of knowing the voice of God? Spending time with him, spending time in his word. Because there will be times you may think you hear the voice of God and it's not the voice of God. And if you don't know the word of God, you're going to wander off after that voice and you're going to end up with some goofy stuff. The church is full of it. There's been a lot of people who have started out committed to Christ, but got a following and they tried to be the church of the spirit and forget the word. And they end off in some goofy things and in deception. So then the church of the word reacts to that and says, see, that's why we don't go anything with the spirit. No, there's a balance there, people. And we got to walk with it. We have to know the shepherd's voice and we got to walk with him. I woke up yesterday morning and as I woke up, God was speaking. He said, Brent, there's storms coming to this earth. But I don't want you to fear him, and I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to be like Jesus in the story in 
the New Testament, where Jesus, where the storm comes, Jesus is with his disciples. And there's a storm, and his disciples are bailing out water and trying to get, you know, to land. And Jesus is in the back of the, of the boat sleeping. God said, that's who I want you to become. I want you to just go back there and sleep because you know daddy's got this. Not denying there's a storm out there. Not denying the wind. Not denying that there's water fell in the boat. But you got a hope. And that's your father is there with you. And Jesus fell asleep while the 12 disciples are working hard to make it the land. And Jesus is unconcerned because he knows who's got him. And he knows he's not fulfilled all of his calling yet. And daddy's got this. So Jesus is sleeping. I love that picture. We sang this morning, we will not be shaken. Well, that's a nice song to sing, but is it true in your life? What does it take to shake you? We live in a season right now in the world where the world is shaken. There's all kinds of stuff going on in the world in every country with corruption. We just went through a couple years of COVID. How did you handle it? Because a large part of the church got shaken with it. And they were living in fear because they listened to the media instead of being in the word of God. I got to the place where on TV, I just muted it when they started talking about COVID because I listened to Psalm 91. I don't deny that COVID existed and the people died from it. But the voice I was hearing is, don't fear it. You walk through it. And I got it. And I walked through it. And I was one of those guys that should have hit hard. God was very generous to me. Verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. See all the intimacy in this, all the relationship in this, learning to hear his voice, learning the voice I trust, because that's what it is, right? You will follow the voice you trust. And by the way, you will follow a voice. You're going to follow a voice, whether it's the voice of pleasure, the voice of comfort, the voice of alcohol, the voice of drugs, the voice of sex, the voice of whatever. You will chase after it and follow it. The voice of pleasure. And you can break that down to what's important in your life. Or you can follow the voice of Jesus and try to discipline yourself and come to the place in life where... You hear the voice of the Father of the Holy Spirit in your life about decisions you make. And follow him. So how are you doing with the voice of God? And there are seasons in this where we hear God so easy. And there are seasons where we don't hear God very well. I've been through them. In general, a statement like this is where I operate. It seems like when the word of God, I open up the word of God and it's just full of revelation in my life. I don't hear the voice of the spirit as easily. I still hear it, but not as easily as the other season when I hear the voice of God really good. And I open up the word and the words. You got to press in to get something out of it. Okay. It's not because one season I'm more spiritual than the other season. It's just God works with seasons in my life. Just like 
Pretty soon fall's going to be upon us, and then that dreaded season for me that follows fall until spring comes back. And I love spring, and I love summer. But there are seasons we walk through life, and spiritually I hate walking through the winter seasons. But I know they are necessary in my life. God has made some huge changes by walking through the season of winter, and when I came out of it, I see what God did in me that didn't feel good for a lot of years. James says kind of pure joy when you walk through troubles and tribulations, right? We as Americans don't do that well. See, the storms that we're going to walk through, we're going to see the world walk through, and the storms that we have in our life, we can gain discernment and understanding of them if we're in the Word of God and listening to the Spirit. In the church today, there's a lot of biblical illiteracy. And people don't give time to the word. They don't give time to reading books. They don't give time to preaching, listening to preaching. And they don't take time for them to get in the word and get revelation out of it. And the Holy Spirit wrote the word, and he would love to interpret the word for you if you invite him to do it. Who here wants to be blessed this morning? Who here wants to be fruitful? And who here wants to prosper? Yeah? A lot of head shaking, yes. Good. Talking to the right crowd then. Because Psalm 1, 2, and 3 tells us how to live your life and be a blessed person. And remember, in blessing, blessings may not at the time look like a blessing to us. And it takes time for us to understand the kind of blessing it was in our lives, right? Fruitfulness. Sometimes it takes a long time to bear some kind of fruit in our lives. Prospering is not all about money and pleasure. There's a lot of other ways I prosper in my life. I went out golfing yesterday with my son and my two grandsons. That's just, I thought about it out there in the golf course. That's just my way, one of the ways in my life I prosper. I've got a cool family. Grandkids, kids, daughter-in-laws. I'm a happy guy. I came two feet from a hole-in-one yesterday. Almost took a picture of it just to prove it to people. That doesn't happen very often. Just let me make it clear. I'm not a good golfer. There was a whole horde of terrible shots, okay? But I talk about the one I did right. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or the world. Those people who do not know God. Blessed is the one who does not walk with them or stand in the way that sinners take. You're not spending time with sinners. Now, there's a balance to that. Yes, we are with people who don't believe in God and have a completely different value system that we do but we don't spend more time with them than to do with God or Christians. We are with them to fellowship, to be friends with, to show them God's love for them. Or who stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. People, and it's out there today, very anti-Christian, anti-God, 
God's a mean God. If there is a God, he's mean. Look at all the evil in the world. Why did God create the world with all this evil in it? And they don't have a clue. You sit down and you watch the news. What happens? If you're watching the news today, you're going to get discouraged. And I'm not telling you not to watch the news. We need to watch the news. We need to know what's going on. Seven years ago, I had a dream one night, and it was all about corruption. And a call in my life to start praying against corruption, I didn't understand it. Because at that time, I was kind of ignorant of what was going on around us. Since that time, God's been helping me identify corruption in the world around us. In our federal government, both parties, not just one. They both bow down the bell. Okay? Let's just put it out there. They both bow down the bell to Moloch. Some of those Old Testament deities. There's a statue in California. And they got video of some of these high-profile politicians bowing to it. Names that surprised me because they claim to be Christian people. Corruption in local governments, in our state government, wherever man has power and some money and influence, unless you're going to be a strong character man, you're going to end up with corruption being around you. Okay? And you can't live there. You live with a community of Christians and you're in the word of God and the Holy Spirit is your constant companion. And if you choose to watch the news 12 hours a day, don't be surprised when you don't have joy and peace anymore. Unless God's calling you to do that, to intercede for it. I do not spend 12 hours a day watching the news to try to find corruption. It happens without looking for it. This is how you become blessed, and this is where your joy and your peace comes from. But his delight is in the law or the voice of the Lord. And he meditates on his law or his voice day and night. Where does your mind end up? Do you take captive your mind, like it talks about in 2 Corinthians 5, Or does your mind just get to wander where it wants to go because there is somebody trying to influence your mind? And you start listening to those voices and you're not going to end up in a good place. I want to be that blessed man that's fruitful and prosperous. So I have to listen to the voice of the Spirit being the Word of God and talk with other Christians that are walking the path like I am. Amen? Meditation, thinking about it, chewing it over, letting it lead you in life, confronting ways I used to do things, but I have to do them different now. Listening to the Holy Spirit say, I'm taking you out of this season, putting you in the next season. That means you're going to leave things behind, and sometimes it's people behind, and it's not always an easy thing to do. If God calls me the eastern Tennessee, I'd have to leave you all behind. And that wouldn't be easy, but I'd get a big house so y'all could come and visit me. I don't know what he's going to call me to do in my life. I've had some ideas run through. I don't know if it was him or not. And I just tell him I'm available. 
That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water. Jeremiah 17, by the way, if you want to go read that, has a little better picture than this. Which yields its fruit in season, whose leaves will not wither, and whatever they do prospers. How do you get to become that kind of person from a loser? By getting to know the Father who loves you with a perfect love, who called you to be a son before the world was ever created, and getting his word in your heart and starting to live it. That means there's changes and there's things that you're going to confront in you. There's things that God shows. I mean, 70 years old, I ought to be getting somewhere up in that statue of holiness, you know? And I just find more junk in me all the time. My grandfather, when he was 85, told me one day, he says, I thought by now I'd be a holy man. And I see myself as a greater sinner than I ever did. Why? Because he's closer to God and all those little things in me. The last decade, God's taught me to trust him in ways that I didn't know I didn't trust him. If you'd asked me 10 years ago, do you trust God, Brent? I'd say, amen, I love him, I trust him. And then God starts opening this door, and I go, whoa, you going to trust me with this, Brent? Mm, yeah, I got no choice, but it's you're not an easy walk. But you walk through, if your heart's with him, and the stream, the water from that stream feeds my roots, and pretty soon I'm producing fruits of trust that I didn't have 10 years ago. That I recognize in my quiet times where there was no joy and peace before, now there's joy and peace in it. Because he's my delight. I get too busy for God and I notice it real quick anymore. It used to take me longer to recognize it. Now I get it faster and I say, I just need to get in his presence and sit for a while and hang out with him. Because I want to sleep in the boat when the storm's coming. Amen? Doesn't mean I deny there's a storm coming. It means I've learned how to handle the storm, and that's give it to Daddy and listen to what he says. And sometimes he'll tell you not to sleep and to do something else. Helps if I press the right button. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.10. One of my favorite verses. It's talking about the spirit of lawlessness on the face of the earth. We see lawlessness on the face of the earth today, right? Things that were called evil are now called good. Things that are called good were called good are now called evil. It's turning more and more of that. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to get confronted with stuff. My youngest son is getting married next September they went to a new venue in Grand Rapids, Christians own it, and they said there'll be no same-sex marriages there. When they got there to see the place that's finally finished, they walked through, and here's this bunch of uh, people protesting and that they ought to do same-sex marriages there, and they're calling my son names, and they don't know him at all. It's just the way it's going to be. If you don't agree with abortions and you hate women. It's just the way it is. And listen, we as a church, we deal with lesbians often. And we just love on them. And they know 
that we don't agree with their lifestyle. But we love on them. And they know they're loved here. That's what we're called to do. The spirit of lawlessness is on the earth. And just before this, he talks about the counterfeit signs, wonders, and miracles. And you need to know that in time, Satan's going to have some authority to do some things that are counterfeit. They're not from heaven. There's going to be a price to pay if you have him do it in your life. But it's going to look good. Man, are we as a country, we see with our physical eyes, we have no sight with our, and even in the church, we have no sight with our spiritual eyes. When things happened in Toronto back in 94, 95, 96, and for a couple decades, people wanted to focus on manifestations. And it's like, it's what our eyes see, so that's what catches our thing. And it's like, no, God's doing work in hearts to heal and to reveal the Father to us. That's the focus. It's not, did a guy quack like a duck or bark like a dog, or did he flop on the floor? All those things happen in revival's past. If, when revival breaks out here, if we have manifestations, don't be alarmed. It's okay. It's happened for centuries in the church. But that's not the focus. And all the way that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. They refuse to love the truth and to be saved. Who is the truth? Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Who's the Holy Spirit? John calls him the spirit of truth. I pray for the spirit of truth to be poured out on our country every day. Because this country is more and more living in deceit and lies, and they don't have discernment anymore. We're so full of immediate gratification from the government down to people's lives. Young kids get in trouble because they make bad choices. They want you to come and bail them out rather than learn the lesson. The old saying, you can give a guy a fish for today and tomorrow you're going to give him another one or you can teach him to go fish and he'll take care of himself. Our whole welfare system is set up to make them dependent on us. Whether it's intentional or not, that's what happens. We enable people with our welfare system. They refuse to love the truth. They don't get in the word. They don't listen to the word. They have the voice of the shepherd. Their shepherd has a weird voice and they go do weird things. We should not be shocked. There's a lot of voices out there in the world and they're going to pick the voice that they want to listen to. But we got to know the voice that we follow. And sometimes our shepherd takes us places that no other shepherd goes. And the place where those other shepherds go looks easier. But when you come back around 10 years later and you look at the shape those people are in and where you're at, you never trade. They refused to love the truth. Go home, read the back end of Romans 1. 
It's the season we're living in. Where God just lets the degenerate mind go further and further down. And because they refuse the truth, they won't be saved. So I'm going to close with this this morning. And see if this does not describe the world we live in today. And then you have a basis to go, okay, God, where do we go from here? In fact, you will see some of this in the church. I'm a believer that we're entering or we're well into the last times. I understand when I say that, that Paul and Peter 2,000 years ago thought the same thing. So, I temper my, my gusto for the end times with that. But Israel has become a nation. This is fulfilled. And when I go through this, look at this as a checklist. And just see today if it's not all over our society. And not just ours. It's all over the world. Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, but mark this, there will be terrible times or perilous times in the last days. People will become lovers of themselves. You see that around you today? Life is all about me. My parents owe me. The government owes me. My boss owes me if I go to work. Right? I worked with a guy this summer at the golf course. I worked a couple mornings a week. And he always had an excuse why he wasn't at work or why he was late. And he finally quit. So the boss didn't have to fire him. But... Everybody else could show up on time and go to work, but he couldn't because he was undisciplined in life because he thought he loved himself and he believed the lie of hell that you just do what you want to do and they didn't understand that discipline will help improve your life. Lovers of money, and by the way, all the rest of these things just flow into lovers of themselves. They love money. Why do we love money? It buys us pleasure, comfort, gets us influence and power, right? What money will do for you if you're rich. Become a billionaire and you're going to have a lot of friends. And you'll have power. They'll listen to what you say. Boastful, proud. We don't see that today, do we? People aren't boastful and proud. They're just humble, servant-like people. No, it's about you serving me and you giving me what I need. And I'll tell you how good I am. And by the way, there's a distinction between talking about something that you're excited about that God did in your life. And boasting. They may come across to a person as a lot of the same words, but the spirit behind it's a lot different. Abusive. Abusive with words, abusive with power, abusive with physical power. Our world's full of it, isn't it? Take advantage of the person who has less than you do. So those in power abuse those who are underneath them. Even in the church, there's abuses by church leadership. Not this one, thank God. But they abuse the people, trying to make the people produce what they want to produce in their church. They're trying to herd the people instead of lead the people. Marriages. 
with words and physically. Stuff goes on, parents with kids, and the next one flows right into it, disobedient to parents. Well, if your parents are abusive to kids, kids are going to be disobedient to parents because they can't trust the voice. Amen? If you can't trust the voice, you won't follow it. If you think you can trust the voice, you follow it. A lot of people don't think they can trust the voice of God, so they don't follow him. Ungrateful. Do we live in an age of entitlement or what? If you've got money and I don't, I'm entitled to some of your money. It pervades our culture. Unholy. Not set apart to God. A lot of compromise. I'm a Christian, but I would do this and this and this that I'd like to do, even though God has called me and said, woe to that because that hurts people or that hurts you. Without love, watch the news and you'll see what happens. It's all over our culture today. People go out and kill each other for stupid things. Unforgiving. Man, is that prevalent in the church, let alone the world. I've had people tell me when I preached on forgiveness that this and this happened to me, and I can't forgive and I won't forgive it. And I said, well, would you even offer it to God and say, God, would you work in my life so that he will lead me to the place where I can forgive from? Nope. That person does not deserve my forgiveness. And yet they will go to church every Sunday and worship, they'll worship God. But bitterness grows in their heart. The fruit's not there. But they got the religion down. Unforgiveness. There is no option. Slanderous or gossip. Both of those things. Prevalent today. Without self-control. No discipline. There'll be some football games today that there'll be people in the stands who are more talented than the people on the field. But the people on the field discipline themselves and develop their skill. There's a player in the Detroit Tigers this year that's undisciplined. He's got a ton of talent. But it's hard to watch him play baseball because he's so undisciplined. And if he disciplined himself, he'd turn into a superstar. And that's the way it is in all areas of life. When we lose discipline, life starts to fall apart, and then we blame others. Brutal. Man, brutal in words, brutal in physical power is just all over today. Not lovers of the good. The goods become evil, the evils become good. And that's what culture wants. Treacherous, full of corruption. Rash, the immediate gratification thing or the immediate anger thing. I'm going to get revenge and this is what I'm going to do and boom, I do it. Conceited, focused on yourself. And these next couple words really are the place of conviction for me. And that is lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The result of this is They have a form of godliness, but deny the power 
have nothing to do with these people. In other words, they say they're Christians, but they're all about what's going on in the earth. They don't care about heaven. They don't care about the work of the Father. They're all about themselves. And they end up with a dead religion. Now, I thank God that in this church, while the power is not where I want it, or probably most of you want it, I want to see the physical healings. I want to see the heart healings happen faster in people. But I see transformation in people, and I see transformation in myself. There's a power at work here. But I want to see a lot more signs of the outward power. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. People that love pleasure don't have time to be in the word and don't have time to be even God's people. It's down the list of options for them. They have greater options in life than they do the word and the truth. And I want to tell you that the days we're going to walk through people, you're going to need to know the word and it's going to have to live in you. Or you won't sleep in the boat, you'll be filled with fear. 1 John 4.18 says, perfect love cast out all fear. So when media is going crazy about COVID, you could stay in peace by knowing the word of God and who God is. And not get caught up in this whole thing of fear they're trying to put on you so they can manipulate you and control you. Oh, Brent, you're a conspiracy therapist. No, I just know life and I know what sin does. And I know that our political system is not of the kingdom of heaven. So regardless whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, it operates. Have nothing to do with people who have a dead religion and don't want to do anything about it. I want to finish with this verse in John 6, I think it's verse 29. Jesus said, the work of the Father is for people to believe in the one that he sent. The work of the Father. Jesus came down and did the work of the Father. He did what he seen his Father doing. He spoke what he heard his Father saying. The voice of the shepherd calling us from our paneled houses to do the work of the Father that is eternal. In our lives, in our family's life, in our church's life, and in the community's life. Tuesday night I went down and I helped at Shady Sandy Pines. And I went to get my food and I went to go get my chair and sit in the corner. And there was a guy over there that I talked to last time we were there. And God says, you need to go eat supper with him. I wasn't in the mood. I was in the quiet, retiring, get out of the way of people. In fact, I told Diane, I don't even want to go tonight. So I sit there at the table, talk 20 minutes with him, and we get to know each other's families and stuff a little bit. Super nice guy. Wasn't anything against him. It was all about what was going on in me. And God said, Brent, I'm going to grow you up tonight and mature you a little bit, and you're going to do something you don't want to do. How about that? But it's because I heard the voice. They said, go and listen to him. And that's just the way I want to live. So I'm not preaching this sermon to condemn you today. 
I don't believe in preaching condemning sermons. But it's to challenge you. It's to challenge me. See, when you preach a sermon, you get to live it out before you give it, right? Someday you might find that out. You got to live with it all week. You can go home and forget it this week, but it'll stick in me because I've had to spend time meditating on it. Amen? I hope you're all having a wonderful weekend. Enjoy it. Enjoy tomorrow. You get a day off. That'd be pretty cool. Enjoy family. And if you don't have family around, enjoy communication with the Father. And spend some time talking with Him. Let's pray. Father God, love your voice. Need your voice to guide us. Satan's kingdom operates, Lord, through fear. But we are so blessed to live a life of peace. In a world where people can't find peace and they, they drink stuff, they inject stuff, they do crazy stuff to try to find some peace. When peace is so simple and is found at the base of the cross, looking at the Savior, it's found gazing at an empty tomb and hearing the one who rose out of that tomb. It's listening to the one that sits on the throne of eternity that has all the power and all authority. Who is constantly speaking into our lives if we only take time to listen. And those things that would trouble us, we just hand over to you and you take them and carry. And as we grow in our trust of you, we learn how to sleep in the boat when there's a storm going on. And that doesn't mean that physically everything in life lines up the way I want it to. It's that I know that at the end of the storm, you will have accomplished what needs to be accomplished in the scope of eternity. And I'm an eternal being with eternal life right now. And I choose to live in that more than I choose to live in this temple earth that in 20, 25 years, I'll be dead. But the spirit part of me is going to live forever. So I need your voice. I want to follow that voice, Lord. I don't want any distractions to draw me from your voice. I want to value your voice very highly in my life. And spend time listening to you. So that when I watch the news, I hear what man has to say about the news, but I hear what the Spirit has to say about what's going on behind the scenes. Whether it's in my own community, whether it's in our state we live in, whether it's in our country or in the world, that we hear heaven's perspective on it. And then we know how to react, how, because you will lead us in the ways to react to things. So come and flow in us. We open up ourselves to an almighty God who cherishes us above everything else. 
And we respond to that by saying, here I am, Father. I want to hear your voice. I want to follow you. I want your voice to be the one that catches my attention first. And that's the one I chase after. Paneled houses don't cut it anymore, Lord. We've got to have the house of God, the dwelling place of God in our own lives and in our community's life. And we give you thanks that you're on your way to doing that and that we get to join you in that. In Jesus' name, amen.